bit of a test just to make sure because I turned the gain down. So I want to make sure now the levels look a lot better uh, as far as spiking and stuff like that. Yeah, omnidirectional. I do omnidirectional, wanna... hello, hello. Yeah, it looks like I'm pretty so low like Morgan I normally I am. Yeah. Now the big test. Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, what does it look like when I'm talking right it now? It looks beautiful, sir. Uh, thank you. It's beautiful to have you here, Miguel. <laughs> Meandering episode seven. It's cold outside. Uh, kind of. It's, it's pretty chilly. Morgan and I here with Miguel, our good friend, who is going to play good cop and bad cop, I think, uh, to all the stuff we're going to talk about today, which we don't even <laughs> freaking know yet. What we're yeah, doing. we'll let it go where it goes. Yeah, that's, that's what we do here. But uh, it's the holiday season. Also, we're coming off of a conspiracy episode. So where do you want to start? Did we, did we leave any unfinished business with the conspiracy talk? A whole lot, right? Yeah, a lot. We're going to have to revisit a lot of that at some point. Maybe season like I said, two I, is completely conspiracy-driven. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we've been renewed. You've just decided that. It's great. Yeah, right here, right now, on the spot. Yeah. Meandering season two will happen, just like uh, Mandalorian season two is happening, even though that thing sucks. <laughs> Oi! The whole thing. We'll get to that. <laughs> Not the whole thing. But, um, all right, so conspiracies. Miguel, you're here. Let me ask you. You actually listened to our last episode. Yeah. So you've got some direct feedback. Uh, one of the five. Thank you. One Appreciate of the it. five or six folks. No, there's a lot more. I've told oh, you how many. I'm not going to disclose. Uh, I've, I've okay. spread We're... your podcast to my friends at work. Well, I'm not going to disclose it. on air what our audience numbers are like, but... Are, are appreciate... you impressed by the number of people that I told you listen to this within I, a hey, three-week window? Hey, look, if one person listens, I'm impressed. Okay, but you know... I mean, we're two guys rambling on about nothing. It's awesome. That's, and there's no alcohol shit. involved in this, which no is actually brings another novelty to There's no drugs it. either. I'd be willing to take a drug it was test. There's caffeine tonight. Yeah. yeah we just had some drug. Tim Hortons imported from Canada legally. Uh, <laughs> you paid tax on that? Yeah. You paid tax on this, right? Uh, I don't know about Off that. Amazon? Oh boy, she's looking oh, at me with the deer man. in the headlights. Right. Like, oh no, yeah. The Tim Hortons coffee is a contributor to where this podcast is going to be entertaining. Pretty strong. It's it pretty is good. Good lord, I'm not a coffee drinker, so right now, if my knees underneath the desk or the table shaking, no, we'd notice it's that. A, it's an ode to the stuff you gave me. <laughs> so, listening to the last episode, we didn't really go as deep as we wanted to on a lot of the conspiracies. I don't know if you can, unless tough, you're unless right? unless you're spending an entire day. It's it's hard to actually touch with such deep deep nuance all the things that you want to talk about because there's so many directions that you can go in. There's so many different areas of conspiracy. Gray area too. Gray area too. It's not uh, black and white, or else it wouldn't be a conspiracy. Right. It's but the, black and white are the conspiracy. We talked about this. And <laughs> the gray area is where the truth kind of lies when it comes to conspiracies. It always is. The rea- reality is always gray. It's not black and white. You know that, that is the truth behind, I think, most conspiracies. Is that the things we think we know, there's some truth in that. And there's a lot of bullshit that is meant to distract us from like the core of what the hell is going on out there. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here, Miguel. <laughs> no, um, it, very good points, uh, very astute observations, and I think that's how we get to the truth, like you said, is talking about all of the potentialities that could be. And so with that said, let me ask you, Is there? do you have a favorite conspiracy that you've just been 
hooked to for X amount of time? Or, or a conspiracy you want to talk about now that we can flesh out and get to the bottom of? I mean, the thing that um, I actually, I'm very seasonal. I'm very neurotic. So I usually talk about this usually in the spring and the summer. Uh, um, usually around this time. Warm of the weather? Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, besides the fact that I'm neurotic, I like to do that. Uh, at this time of the year, the conspiracy I like to talk about has to do more with consumerism because we're so close to Christmas, which mm. we, hopefully we can get into. Mm-hmm. But my favorite conspiracy has to do with the government cover-ups of extraterrestrial life. Interesting. Um, what's funny with me, when you guys talked about this last time, the way you contextualize it by saying, what about aliens? Is that your favorite conspiracy? Yep. That, to me... Is not a not conspiracy. A conspiracy right? No, yes. because the existence of aliens simply by the Drake equation alone can be a conspiracy. Right. It I has mean, to exist. This, but telling people that is intrusive to a lot of mentalities. Uh, people who want nobody here at this table. Right. Well, people. Mo- most people polled believe in extraterrestrial life, but in the conversation, they want to be the straight man. They don't want to sound like a loon. They automatically, a lot of people speak to them. Are There's kind a of sense skeptical. of intimidation uh, when talking about this sort of stuff. And um, yeah, if you spark a conversation with 100 just everyday folks on aliens, not a lot of people are going to approach you with you know, just hours of conversation or dialogue. You might get uh, here and there folks who are interested uh, in, in having that conversation. But it's tough to it's tough to get deep into it. So maybe yeah. that's where we start today because that's one of the talks we wanted to dive all the way in on and there has been a ton in the last year well no now it's government disclosure when it comes to alien and et stuff it's all disclosure because it falls in line with my conspiracy theory of this rollout plan of letting the general public know when something is okay to be talked about and speaking of talking about things, is that marijuana spray that was just sprayed in here? Because it's... No, that was great. Whatever it is, I feel more at home. Thank you. What there in you the go. world <laughs> just it's, got sprayed? It's a conspiracy. That sage and basil? That sage and basil smells like Cheech and Chong. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. I'm sorry, I've walked into that before, and it does not. Yeah, I, I, that smells specifically. So, right. how much of our, uh, how much of our whatever now we're going into are firing an alternate off? reality now? Yeah, we Can are we, going. Let's, let's, you said the register. Yeah. That really is incense. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's hot. Pot. Sage. It is just. It sage. might as well be. But it really does smell like uh, some dank. BC Kush. Yeah, and now I'm trying to trick my mind into like imagining that it is, so I can get a little high <laughs> off it. We manifest our realities, Morgan. We just got done talking about this. If that's pot, if we want it to be pot, it is, and you're getting high right now. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to aliens. Uh, Yeah, a couple weeks ago we had this talk on the show, and we wanted to deep dive this. So where do we start? You're you're the... Don't look at me. You're a big alien you, guy. You, you, this is your go-to. A big alien guy. But yet you're also kind of a skeptic to his. You're his, I said this earlier, listening to your podcast, you are the Scully, season one Scully to his David Duchovny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've got to see the proof. You know what happens as the show goes yeah. on. Yeah, i got to see the proof uh, as we move forward. I, I, I think it's inevitable they're out there. I don't know about the government cover-up. What, what is is your... The, the, I can, is your quick answer they're not smart enough to be able to cover up something so big and important? Well, I, I question whether you could keep that truly secret for such a long time. So but many people, because so many people would have to be involved Here, with it. So many. The problem is, though, is that when people do come out, because if your whole basis of saying is, well, it's, it's too big of a secret. It's too big of a thing to keep secret. 
You've got guys that come out. Granted, I think most of them are quacks, most of them are liars. But what if some of those people are not quacks or liars, or they know at least a bit of truth of the cover-up? That's the problem, is that whenever something does come yeah, out, we're never... dismissive of it. How would we know? Yeah, yeah you'd never because, really... because you've been so conditioned to label that as quack, as 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 a liar. Um, what is the proof of this? What what do you have to do to convince someone that extraterrestrials are, li- are, are real? Well, here and covered up and, you know, actively part of government decisions? Oh, I got to see the alien, man. I, I can't... It's not going to happen. It. It's not going to happen. This is an ant farm. I mean, if you're, if I'm just keeping it keeping it 100, no, really, it's yeah. like you look at the Drake equation. You look at what most physical. Carl Sagan, for God's sakes, Carl Sagan said Carl it was Pagan. Pagan. Sagan <laughs> was he said himself multiple times. It is embarrassing. It is it is arrogant to think that is we're the only ones. That yeah. we're the Boy, only ones. Am so. I glad you're here because the uh, I I I've asked a couple of questions similar to this and and we didn't get deep into the the alternate reality thing. I'm going to grill you now. So <laughs> so alternate versions of yourself, multiple universes, multiple planets that uh, no life why no. Why yes. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Well, that's a different. That's that's a leap. I mean, because I'm just talking about the the, the universe that we know exists I mean, right now. You yeah, know we're I mean? on one rock around one star. I mean, to believe it, we're the only thing out there with well, intelligence well, is is ridiculous. A- astronomers say, and this isn't hyperbole. This isn't exaggerating. This isn't them mm-hmm. playing. They say, in the literal sense, there are more. They believe more star systems in the universe. And there are grains of sand on any given beach. Sure. How do you even begin to quantify that in your head in terms of size? To think that as we're this, we're germs. Maybe right. that that that's the proper analogy. Calling this planet an ant farm is flattering it. So to think that there there is no other life out there looking at us and observing us like we are in an ant farm is is, is insane. Is absolutely insane. And again, maybe the reason why we haven't spoken to aliens. What incentive do you have right now, Morgan, or you, Sasha, to try to enlighten a spider monkey? Um, uh, well, well, that's an interesting question too, Miguel. Um, the enlightenment answer for me is that I, I think the world around me becomes a more pleasurable experience mm-hmm. if I can enlighten the world around me to maybe understand on a higher consciousness what's going on in their world, respectively, without being too intrusive and, and without... Ah. That's the hard part. That's that's called cultural contamination. We, they talk about it in Star right. Trek. Carl Sagan talks about it. Right. One of the biggest incentives that aliens would have not to communicate with us or enlighten us, quote-unquote, on, on a deep level, or on a mass level... Is it is respect be, level? It's 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 a matter of, of contaminating. Yeah. Of, like, you, you want this species to evolve on its own, reach its precipice. No. It, it might... It, become extinct mm-hmm. you but you have no that might be part of their culture and thinking is you don't have it's none of our business to interfere with their evolution my rebuttal to that would be if aliens are of a higher intelligence already then they know that most humanity has already been conditioned a certain way so they would almost step in as de-patterners of that conditioning that was not self-propelled and yeah. sort of environmentally propelled and, and put put together by people who are in positions of power because I do believe I without going to conspiracy, I do believe that most folks are products of their environment and they just can't help it because yeah. it's it's a pretty controlly sort it, of environment. It out might there. be in your DNA, uh, honestly. 
Well, well I mean, yeah, a lot of things are getting predetermined here. Are we? Yeah, epigenetics. I mean, genes, well, epigenetics. Ten years ago is conspiracy talk, and you're labeled uh, a pretty uh, a whack job if you say that certain genes inside of your body get triggered uh, and for certain responses. Right? Yeah, by environment. Sure. But now the science is is slowly churning out that as as actuality, and it's okay to talk about um, in in more general settings. But yeah, that's that's part of the problem that I've got with a lot of this is that I can't have these conversations with. Um, people at at work, people sitting around me. Maybe I can, and I just don't. I don't put my foot into that pool. Um, but it seems almost. Yeah, I want to get there. Yeah, let's I wanna, go get there. <laughs> I want to get there quickly, and I think progress is on the other side of that, and potential, and and unlimited potential is there when we break through that ceiling of what we think we max out at right now. It. It's all sort of a facade, and you could just push through it very quickly through something as simple and, and natural as conversation. You get there, and we've noticed this within conversations amongst us three in different various formats. We get there quickly, and, and there's no then it goes no holds barred, and we can get to places that we don't even know we're getting to without listening back to the stuff and ta- refining the thoughts and, and, and getting them out, and then we speak to people on our own accord in our own circles and then we get those same ideas out in in respective ways through our filter and that's how consciousness expands yeah by getting concrete thoughts ideas and innovation spread out that's and it just feels like for the longest time it's been a top-down effect versus um from the ground up effect. Well, so, so much of it is comfortability too, because yeah. I mean, we, there's a dynamic here that we all know each other, I think pretty fairly well. We've gotten to yeah. each other fairly well. Mm-hmm. I am not comfortable having a conversation about aliens much less, much less mm-hmm. how we came to be and sure. what, what is our own eventuality of, of existing right now with people at work. I'm asking Bob about his TPS reports, like on Office Space. Like I know most, <laughs> you know, it's it's I don't I don't have that incentive. Like I think maybe you do as deep as you do to have these type of conversations with people that I know on a rather superficial level. I have best friends at work that I de- care deeply about. Yeah. I can have those conversations with a couple of people after work. Most people, I don't feel like I have the incentive to talk to them about these deep existential things. Um, If we as a society decide, you know what, screw it, I'm letting my guard down. I'm going to go ahead and try to have these deep I'm going conversations. I'm going to try to jump in, yeah. With with, with people that I w- I'm usually uncomfortable with, then we can, I think... You're, break some of those barriers We would down. break those barriers and we would evolve as a society if we felt more comfortable talking to people about the shit that we're scared to. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Because you look at what people... You're, you're spot on 100%. Because what people are talking about still to this day in the political realm, in the larger social circles, these issues are... We're getting to the crux of a lot of them, yeah. uh, but... But maybe we're not. Maybe that's all uh, just an illusion because we're still talking about race. We're still bickering about sex. We're still, microaggressions. Yeah, microaggressions. We're just doing it on a different platform now, uh, the internet, than we've been privy to being able to do it on prior. But it, it, I don't know for a fact that you know households and families across America are having a different type of conversation today than they were in the '60s. Here's my problem: is I watch movies where it's the 1800s. Okay, we would agree as a whole society was much more primitive in the 1800s than it is now. Yeah, you, could, you could you could freaking own a guy in the 1800s. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it was pretty 1800s. bad. Yeah. And yet, as I watch movies and read stories about how life was in the 1800s, there were families 
around the table talking about relationships, what was going on with the war, what was going on with people's lives. Conversation back then, 100 years ago, between people and family was much more advanced than it is right now. Man, Arguably, I, don't, I don't know. I think religion know. had such an impact on those types of families. Different levels that I of conditioning, get, perhaps. That I guarantee yeah. you the talk was very limited to the subject matter. They, I don't think they know. were allowed to speak about certain things. Yeah. Religion probably cocked it up. Yeah. I don't think that you're not going to talk about someone's... It was improper for a person, especially a young woman, to express herself back in the 1800s like right. she could nowadays. But I'm talking about when it comes to like friends and the family dynamic. When I, I, it pisses me off whenever I go to a, a party or a, what was supposed to be a dinner party and people are texting, mm. they're checking their tweets mm-hmm. or they're, you know, um, get, like me getting shit off of Amazon more than I should be. Yep. And you could be having conversations like this. We don't need, even though I'm grateful for this, we don't need a podcast to have these conversations. No, Whatever no, we decide as, as people. Just we need a social we, setting, really. We yeah. had two hours prior to sticking this microphone in front of us. <laughs> that was pretty much exactly what we're doing here in a much more... Uh, in a much more... Conversational uh, Conversational way, because I believe in that a lot, too. And science backs me up here. If you, if you let the... Uh, subject know that it's being observed the variance and the effect the of ine- inevitably yeah. changes yes. the uh, this changes, is yeah. the uh, two slit the the slit experiment the light yeah, uh, yeah. exactly as soon as the light <laughs> knew it was being observed it, it, it went yeah it, it went around the corner to get to the other side so it's very interesting because you see this YouTube boom and the podcast boom and folks that are are starting to record uh, their lives basically um, and and we still don't know if, if this is really that person or if it's an image no, of, of it's it's perverse I, that we have a completely different image of ourselves online than we have in real life a lot yeah. of us like to tell ourselves no 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 no, no. I keep it under this is me I'm I, as a matter of fact I use my podcast or I use my Instagram as an vent. extension as an extension of myself mm-hmm. it's cathartic for me I used to vent no matter how much we say that, and I'm one of those people, yeah. I, I know it's bullshit because there's something about me that I, I want to sort of mold differently online. Whether well, it's part my of photography. Your, part of your shadow, to, uh, yeah. your shadow self, and your reconciling of your shadow as well. Yeah. And, and if, to get Freudian with it, yeah. A lot of people use the internet to, because there's the anonymity factor behind it, to let loose a little bit. Uh, yeah. The ramifications are a little lessened uh, compared to reality, and I don't know, man. I, I follow you on all social platforms, and I, I pretty much get the same person you are here as you are there, and in, in all facets that I know I, you. I, I, I like to think that that's true, but there is. I have to acknowledge, inevitably, there are things that I've put on my Facebook or my Twitter that is a compromise because I feel like, well, I'm going to. I'm going to piss off my girl or I'm going to I piss see. off my circle. There's got to be the a observation filter. factor. Well, there's there's got to be a filter, right? Well, is it the fact you, that you you're gotta... being watched too. Maybe, but you got to have a filter. You can't there's, just go full bore on on people. There, there. You've got to warm up to it, I guess. It's uh... even if we don't realize it, there is inevitably a filter there every single time you put something of yourself online. I was told today yeah. that I should consider deleting some of my past tweets. I mean, I haven't gone through and dug it, and I'm the one who told you. But I you wanna... probably should just go back. Uh, I mean, we say dumb things when we are young people, and. Too many people get caught up in some dumb tweet that gets taken out of context ten years later. But the con- yeah, but the context 
the important factor there is that the context was probably there when it was originally tweeted. And it's not like I'm... Uh, People don't care about context. They know that you said something that they can in- infer as being xenophobic, even though it's not. Correct. Because people don't give a shit about context nowadays. And cancel culture and PC sort of um, people trying to outwoke each other, yeah. they don't give a shit about that's the ugly. That's the ugly side of time passing. Uh, because uh. There, there's things that now in the present day, we were talking about prophetic movies coming into this conversation. And yeah. now, you know, there's there's a, a litany of movies out there that if people watched today, their minds would be blown that something like this existed in 96, 97, yeah. 2000, shit, 79 for Blade Runner and, and all of that. But the... The polar opposite of that is that as time passes, people seem to get a little bit more analytical about what they're willing to tolerate. It does seem, it seems as if free, as freedom is expanding and as more people are, are starting to tap into their, their true free selves, that they're also constricting what shouldn't have been free beforehand to, to be. Uh, the, the internet it's specifically, scary. it's a microcosm, the internet of that, because the internet's 25, 30 years old as far as um, widespread usage is concerned. I would yeah. say Netscape days, 98, so we're looking at 21 yeah, years there. AOL was right in there. My, my, my internet began, in, in, for me, 99. So we're talking about three generations now that, that have live through the internet I, I guess as far as you full immersion is concerned because we we're, we've got two generations here in front of us um yeah and then there's the younger generation, the younger generation that basically generation got brought up yeah gen z got brought up on the internet completely i don't so, i don't know what happened because when i was a teenager in the internet in the 2000s yeah. we had i think we talked about this before a thing called newgrounds it oh was, yeah, it was a website that was incredibly awesome. It was site. intentionally offensive, and it was no holds barred. I don't give a shit. Okay. Do what you want to do. They had uh, undress games, celebrity kill games. You know, yeah. they had the most morbid, bloody, disgusting things that you the could enjoy. The same era as a of kid. celebrity death match. Celebrity death match. It was. It was a Tom cel- Green was hilarious. Now yeah. you can have the Tom Green show. Absolutely not. You'd be chastised and put in jail probably. From like 1999 <laughs> to like 2008, <laughs> there was a period where. The culture online was no holds barred. Wild, I don't give a fuck. West. It was the wild, wild west. You can do whatever you want. And then something happened with our generation where we said, you know what? No. Well, it might have just been deregulations. and, and or Well, it's the whole, um, you know, if it offends you, uh, you should say something. You should be offended. You shouldn't have to sit there and take that. You've got a right. Thing. Even online, yeah, you, have a, you have a yeah, right you have to this... be offended and let us know that this offends you. I your, that... your feelings matter, even though you're less than 1%. Your feelings matter and everybody should have to respect that. I, I think that people have the right to be offended. <clears throat> you don't have the right not to be offended. And I think I want to be part of a movement where I'm not going to apologize. If somebody wants to go through mm. my tweets, you're going to find a... Something you're gonna, questionable. You're going to find a tweet where I told somebody I didn't like to go eat a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is going to be somebody saying, well, Miguel, you know, that could be interpreted as, you know, homophobic, which I am... Compl- I hate homophobia. Yeah. I hate people who... That I talk to all the time, unfortunately, over the phone where I work in my office, that say incredibly xenophobic and homophobic yeah. shit that uh, I can't stand, and I don't want my past shit to be conflated with that. Those are people who have a lot of self uh, self discovery to do because yeah, yeah uh, th- we're we're at a point where I I think it's safe to say that if you're still offended by that sort of stuff, you're holding back 
a lot of the progress that that most of us want to want to reach as far as unity is concerned amongst each other and, and yeah. you know, passion for the fellow. I think being. one of the changes is we've gone from, you know, thinking of us as a group as a whole. Yeah. Uh, and being all a part of society and co- and contributing to that society to being more worried about you and how you feel and how you fit in and not really thinking about the we and everyone else around us. We've kind of made a selfish switch in a way almost. I think that it goes well, back to the internet has helped narcissism tenfold. Absolutely has. We've, our generation has been conditioned, Sasha, to basically be our own gods. Yeah, the self worship uh, that we've been conditioned for our generation. Yeah, I mean it. It works for corporations who are the owners of Instagram and Facebook. Well, now we're tapping into a little bit of conspiracy too, because uh, part of me thinks that we've both seen the Truman Show. And we know that movie up and down. Yeah. Part of me thinks that the future of capitalism uh, resides in people thinking that they're living as if they're Truman from the Truman Show, and that the world revolves around them. them. Because if you do that, then you're you're getting the feed. Uh, on your social media feed, everything seems catered around you. And we've had these discussions before yeah. where we just talk and then all of a sudden something pops up. We did now, that experiment. To, to an egomaniac, that sort of presentation of the world is tapping into serotonin and uh, dopamine hits in their brain that we're not privy to seeing. And if you think the world revolves around you, then you are going to feel like a very powerful person and you're going to maybe buy into the program that, oh, well, I can walk into the store and do whatever I want. It's a very dangerous road to tread. Uh, to- I, think I call it baby rattle consumerism. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you just come up with that term? I've thought about it. <laughs> okay. No, really, it is baby awesome. rattle consumerism because there is a market to, it's, it's always been People are growing up from capitalism. They're smartening up to the fact that I don't need a lot of this shit that I'm, that I'm being forced down my throat. Which and is dangerous. Which is dangerous for the oligarchy. The Correct. It absolutely is dangerous. See, this goes back to what I'm talking about conspiracy. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to the oligarchy. If you are in control in this country, if you are that 1% that is in control. You want to stay there. You want to stay there. How do you stay there? You get the working class in this country to not discover you and their own shitty situation. So what you do is you distract people. How do you distract the right? You distract them by what you've always distracted them with. These immigrants are coming. These these brown people are invaders. Hurting. These invaders are coming. These brown people are hurting us. You need to be angry over these. Because that's been a mental uh, setback for... For that side of the country for quite a while. For quite a while. And it was called Nixon's Southern Strategy. Correct. And all you have to do is is sort of be pliable and and roll with the times. Uh, If if you're power-driven and and you're greedy and control-heavy and heavy-handed with that stuff, all you have to do is get a temperance and a gauge for what what people are worried about now. And then you just apply the the same... You superimpose the same logic that you've always put in place... Just in a more time-sensitive way. Yeah, like remember the the immigrant caravan? How that was a big scary thing before right. the midterms. Yeah, they ain't talking about it no more. It's no. it's gone. It's, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. That no one it just all of a sudden Fox News doesn't yeah. give a shit about it anymore. The, yeah. the caravan fell apart, and uh, yeah, <laughs> no longer marching down whatever road it was marching or marching up. So it, it's interesting to talk about this because yeah, um, 
a lot of this, does it sound conspiracy to you? Or, or do you think fleshing no, it mean, out I, a little bit more and, and removing the label of, of conspiracy? Because we talked about the invader mentality a little in that last uh, conspiracy episode about how, uh, you know, the immigration issue going on is, is sort of only tangible for the border states right now on a realistic level. Like, I'm not going to take a guy in Ohio's the, word on... Nebraska. I don't care, I don't yeah, care if the Oregon. Nebraskans worried about Mexicans overrunning his farms because I know that they're, it's not happening here, so it's certainly yeah. not going to happen up there. So Fox he's News removed. is convinced him it does. Your opinion is completely removed from the equation if you're not experiencing the reality of the situation. And that's where it gets dangerous with telling people that online because people who are living online if you're, yeah. think they are in on every single hot topic that exists because they're headline readers and, and they've digested uh, their social media feed. So they know everything going on in the world. Therefore, they're granted the ability to chime in whenever they want and give their two cents. But they don't realize that uh, they've been it goes conditioned. Nowhere. It goes yeah, nowhere. Well, I mean, you've been told what to be angry at. You don't realize that's, it, but that, you have. That's what I'm saying. And so yeah. that, that's what you do with the right in this yeah. country. What do you do with the left? Okay, the left is going to spend less time talking about um, when it comes to the disparity between the rich and the poor in this country. Mm -hmm. Okay, the left is going to spend less time complaining about uh, the disparity between the rich and the poor if they're preoccupied with other things. What do you preoccupy the left with? Ah, Progress. Well, Technology. Well, no, with, with an obsession with microaggressions. With an oh, obsession okay. with things. Oh, you're talking about politically strictly here. Well, you, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. You, you want to tap into distracting people. We know how to distract the right. You can distract them with xenophobia because that's always worked. How do you distract the left? Well, you get an entire generation to wake up every single day and look Look for something to be offended by. Mm. I have that's an interesting. It approach, really yeah. is because if you get online on Twitter right now, there's a great number of people on my side outraged. of the political alms. I'm, I'm sorry that are looking for things to be outraged by, and I know because I encounter them every day. So if no one's aware, Peloton has this Christmas holiday commercial where a husband buys a wife an exercise bike, and she's thanking him for it, and she does sort of a video journal, you know of. Over the next year of her riding the bike, getting up early, right, taking the classes, starting to feel good about herself. And, you know, it's just a video journal. And so many people took this way out to left field. Like, how dare a man buy his wife, who's skinny, by the way, uh, an exercise Jeez. bike. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, were any of these people around 15, 20 years ago when everybody wanted a treadmill for Christmas? No or, shit, or elliptical, and they came out. My God. Solaflex. Remember Solaflex? Yeah, I, uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember Tybo being a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were, we, we've gone through. Suzanne Summers, Thigh Richard, Master, or Richard Simmons stuff. Oh, yeah, Richard Simmons. Yeah, Billy Blanks was Tybo. He was, he was pretty cool. I threw a Tybo tape on once just to, I bought into the wave. We got him at Blockbuster for rental copies, actually. So I gave it. Kick your ass. It kicked my ass that first night. <laughs> What's the more recent one? Bo, not Bowflex. Uh, the more recent one, P ninety X. P ninety X was big last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. It was monstrous. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, so, I mean, you're, every few years there's a monster workout fad yeah. or machine. Right. Um, Is that what Peloton was for this year? Well, not this year. It's been around. I guess last year maybe would have been the. It was big, a couple years ago when yeah. it really kind of hit the scene. But I think that this, like what Morgan was saying, the commercial uh, pissed off a handful of people on Twitter. So everyone's pretending that. Everyone's pissed. That's a big deal. Thanks thanks to Twitter. It oh. pisses me off whenever a handful of people are pissed about something. And then you get on Yahoo News or Bing or whatever. And it's like, 
Twitter is outraged. It's not yeah. Twitter is outraged. It's, it's not the world that's outraged. It's a handful of assholes, okay? Interesting yeah. uh, interesting comment because I feel that way about movie reviews now. You get the early screenings yeah. and there's three or four people on Twitter that have uh, their review of the movie and their idea of the movie. And then that's what... The rest of the crowd that the hype train runs with is is those five yeah, to ten it's folks. Obnoxious. It's a hype train sort of mentality everywhere now. We're, on the we're doing a hype train though when it comes to what to be indignant or upset about or yes. offended by, and that's a really toxic thing for us as a society because people yeah. aren't deciding for themselves, not looking at something, being observant, being like, okay, I've decided for myself this is offensive or it's okay. What's happening is again thanks to the internet. A handful of people are offended, and it's the world that should be offended. Like with the Peloton commercial, the women who yeah. were complaining, it's a couple of guys too. Yeah. The women who were complaining were just like, well, if my husband did that for me, I'd be pissed. Well, that's you. Well, Apparently, the girl in the commercial opened it, knew what it was, was excited, yeah. and used it. Really, she enjoyed it for a year, and she was happy with it. Like, we just assumed she wasn't asking for it, right? We just assumed. It wasn't it, on her Amazon It's like we take list. all of our baggage, and we put it on the commercial, and we Project. get mad and at it. And think that the people from yes. Peloton should apologize. Yeah, like, are you ridiculous. freaking kidding me? Were you 12? No. If, if, if my girl Maggie got me a Peloton, oh, my God, I'd be badass. I'd be yeah. on that thing every day. Yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right. If well, I got a Peloton, I'd be hanging laundry all over it a month from now. <laughs> Just be real honest. Your wife spent six hundred dollars, and it's a damn laundry dryer. Yeah, and it happened the other way around. Don't worry, she would do the same thing. It it, it does feel uh, we we've touched on this a lot. It feels like folks need to wake up on Monday morning, and maybe it's because the workload is light, and maybe it's because we have a lot of free time on our hands. But starting on on that Monday work cycle day, it's just like let's find what. What to be mad about what online. To, what to be offended by. What are we going to run with? And in most cases, a social influencer will help you along the way and sort of spit something out that ends up on your feed and you get brought into that loop. And it, there's this sense of ego mixed with um, wanting to belong to something more than whatever it is that's going on in your own personal life. And Absolutely. The, the internet's yeah. a, a, a scary place in 2019. Well, and when it was really scary, or when we're told that it was really scary, to me, it was the best. Uh, the Napster days, the uh, wild, wild west days where you can go on message boards, communicate with people freely. And, well, it was also dangerous because you were ASLing and you didn't know if uh, it, was it was Jeffrey a, Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein behind on the, the, the screen trying to coerce you to go into a chat room with, yeah. So like, it was, I, I would love to know how many people bitched about it that actually never saw the commercial. I would love to oh, know that Peloton percentage. Stuff? Yes, I would love to know how many people just took one person's word for it and just went online and ran it and raved about it without actually seeing the commercial. It sounds like it's got to be a Gallup poll right? waiting to happen. I think that the pendulum is swinging the other way right now. I think that there's so many people on all sides of the political. It's, it's apolitical. It's not even about liberal yeah. versus conservative. I think that most people are pissed about the cancel culture, about the sort of polarity. Looking, yeah, yeah. Man. I think that the pendulum swinging the other way around. People are seeing that and being like. What the hell's going on? No, time, I don't want to be part of that. Time has an interesting way of dealing with stuff like that because I believe in, in the law of polarity and the universal sort of um, just the weight that for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. But with time and with human involvement and ideas specifically, because ideas take time to generate and to come to fruition and sustain and perpetuate a little bit. So in order for the 
equal and opposite reaction to come along. You need to bear the brunt of the 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 ugliness of of the wrong stuff uh, yeah. for quite some time. Um, so I, I think the pendulum is swinging in the like this cancel culture stuff is kind of ludicrous and it's pretty outrageous. People are becoming conscious of it. But not too long ago, two or three years ago, it made sense too at the same time. When when we were in the middle of the Me Too movement, I'll I'll admit it here, and I saw Jeremy Piven's name come down the road, I'm like, fuck man, not him. (laughs) Wait a minute, that was a surprise? I I like Jeremy Piven, but I was so, um, not conditioned, but I was so primed in that Me Too movement to expect another name and be like, ah, repulsed by me liking them in the past because the bar was set pretty high pretty quickly with the Me Too stuff and Harvey Weinstein. So everybody was expecting the equal sort of uh, crime yeah. being committed uh, on on a scale of that. But it, it turns out that, you know, Louis C.K., um, who did some pretty disgusting stuff, but it's not stuff that you know was on par with the Weinstein, Epstein's. Right. Exactly, and I think that what happened was you had it, people were so sensitive during that Me Too movement. The Me Too movement was again for context very very important. I'm glad it happened, but there was something about a guy saying it. Whenever Matt Damon said, "Hey, it's important to differentiate between uh, Harvey Weinstein and Louis C.K.," there's degrees of horrible things that for happened. Sure. He got attacked for that and saying, "How, how dare you say that, Matt Damon? Piece of shit!" It took feminists. It took women to come out and say, wait a minute, yeah, he's right, we need to recognize nuance. And even, I'm not a huge fan of her, but Samantha Bee did a really good job saying most women acknowledge the difference between an Aziz Ansari uh, yeah. and a Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that nuance coming from women was really, really important. And I think that that's what's happened now, is and, I think most of us And we moved on from Me Too for the most part, uh, I, I think. As long as we avoid the Harvey Weinsteins, I don't think we hear about the Jeremy Pivens anymore. I don't even honestly. Well, I don't remember what the hell Jeremy Piven did. Oh, it was uh, ass pinching, being a stupid asshole. Yeah, it was something like that. Like the Ben Affleck. Uh, did you guys see the Ben Affleck on the beach thing? Where yeah, he, yeah. No it was it was something on that level. But uh, yeah, there's just a, a long list of names that were impacted by this, and I, I think we're past having to deal with that because we faced it and we got past it. Well, as the as the woman in the room laughs and says, ha, 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 not yet. Au contraire, motherfucker. Au contraire. But she's just watching Netflix and uh. laughing along to something. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think that there's, the, the basis of Me Too is still very, very important. But I think that we have realized here in Western society that that nuance is important. Yeah. Recognizing yes. the levels of what is offensive and that nuance has to be there. Absolutely. And it was really interesting seeing that the what happened within the Me Too movement is that there was an element that said, we're going to be fair. And so people like Rose McGowan's friend, uh, Asia Argento, mm-hmm. she got caught oh, up into she's it. she's another story. Well, yeah. I mean, she she wasn't just somebody who was... This really, is Anthony Bourdain's wife, by yeah. the way. Yeah, and she wasn't just somebody who was accusing Harvey Weinstein. She, I believe her that she was a victim. She got caught up in it because people were saying, hey, you were 30-something and were screwing a 16-year-old, 17-year-old. That wasn't yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm glad that there was people who were who had been proponents of the Me Too movement for the longest time saying, hey, you know what? They ain't cool either. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's you, let's be fair and even. That's you shouldn't screw a, a 16-year-old when you're in your 30s or 40s. Yeah. And you know? this is why the internet's such a it, it's such a, a polar place to to be and to to live through because for all of the negative stuff that we've talked about, uh all of the good that's come 
out of having these conversations probably doesn't exist if we don't have a forum to where we can all sort of dissect what's happening out there too yeah. simultaneously. That's that's the yeah, that's the catch twenty two of it all is you have to deal with the shitty opinions online and the ones that don't matter and you sort of have to filter them out over time. But then you have to weigh the ones that do and you have to progress through tough discussion discussion issues that society's having in order to just move on and get past it. We're still there with race. We're still there with uh, sexuality. We're still there with a lot of stuff. I've never met anyone who's been able to get away with something like that for a long period of time and I, not pay for it. At, at, it's at, probably at, because we don't know any billionaires. Well, <laughs> that's probably the one well, that's I, the reason. I, I think that uh, sometimes we overlook things that other people do a lot, actually. Sometimes you overlook... Just being quirky sometimes, you know, just, I don't know, sure. it's hard to do to explain. You'll see something sure. and you won't necessarily call someone out on it, you know, yeah. you don't know them well enough, you don't, it's not bothering you, so you just kind of let it go. How, how the fuck are we basically having a conspiracy up, uh, series, talk, chat mm-hmm. right now, and talking about Me Too movement, and we haven't mentioned the death of Jeffrey Epstein? Uh, well. How the hell? Well, I know one of us here isn't crazy about talking about it. I'm not either. Well, I, I, don't, I don't care. I, I don't know how much it matters. What do you think about the compound? Like the island, the symbology of overhead that makes it look like some sort of Illuminati death. Den. I'm talking about his death. Oh, his death? Yeah. Is, you know what's really funny is that whenever somebody dies as a celebrity, whenever we talk about it was a conspiracy, there was something behind it, most of the time, people are, like, embarrassed to admit there's a conspiracy. This is the most mainstream acceptance I have ever witnessed in my life about people believing that he was murdered. I think meme culture has a lot to do with that. Uh, and you think, I, I agree. Yeah, I yeah. think meme culture made it okay and approachable for the layman to insert their two cents about it. Because conspiracy theories are daunting for the general public to talk about because it doesn't tap into something that they're confident in speaking about. Yeah. Uh, if Well, and this if also you, isn't like uh, there were a, a line of people lining up to defend Epstein, right? This right. is not a likable guy. And, yeah, and that's so, true. And so uh, it's, it's different from that standpoint. I think people were just fine with going, yeah, he got murdered. Uh, yeah, there's a comfort you know, there because we all feel he's a villain anyway, yeah. so screw him. Yeah. Well, also, there is the precedent uh, with conspiracies specifically. A lot of people from the 90s and 2000s and even the Kennedy stuff, they got laughed at for having the conspiracies. So people yeah. are very hesitant and very intimidated by coming forth with their with their thoughts on a particular, uh, a particular news story. But in 2019, when you see rampant mean, memes left and right on your social media feed saying Epstein didn't kill himself and spelling out all these things, then the guy who doesn't give a shit but wants to get his two cents in, he spends a little bit more time studying what the heck happened. And, you know, the layman's opinion in something like this may may go a long way because if, if the general public sees that there's something fishy about this, then you've got the majority on your side, and then all of a sudden, it's not a conspiracy anymore. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't obscure the fact that 98% of people think, think something, something suspicious. Yeah. Yes. It's like right now, the people who are in the minority are the people who think that he actually hung himself. There was a, right. yeah. a thing I saw on, on Twitter about this lady who had uh, painted Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Epstein picture she painted him yeah before he died and then someone had tweeted well you better find the right uh you know, hammer and nails because those damn things aren't going to hang themselves 
You know, it was such a great yeah. joke. But like, again, it's like, and this was by a, a celebrity. Yep. You know, so again, people who are in the minority are people who think he actually fucking hung himself. Right. And I've never seen that before, at least in my lifetime, where it was so accepted. Yeah. But you know how crazy that is? It's tall, it's it's a lot like uh I don't want to go way extreme here, but it's a lot like alcohol tolerance conspiracies to me. If you've <laughs> if you've been immersed in them long enough, then you build that Alex Jones sort of mentality where you hear a major news story and the filter that you put it through is doubt it first because history has told me and trained me to doubt well, the exact way that it's rolled out by NBC, CBS, Fox, uh, the major well, I, I bet most people don't, but you're right. Yeah. You should be doubting everything I, you hear the first I time you hear it. You should be your own it. interpreter of, of <clears throat> this. Of you story. should be looking for some other point of verification Correct. before you start to form an a, opinion. A more well-rounded there, picture. Or else, look at what, uh, in this past year, one of the biggest news stories. Look at the uh, Jesse Smollett story. So if oh, we're, if we're so not, tragic, yeah. But if we're not primed idiot. and ready for that, and, and for diagnosing that from all angles of possibility, especially in the climate that we were in then, when uh, racial tension, arguably within the last year, was at a peak... A lot of people came out and it was split down the middle, halfway, in my opinion, from jump. Half and half. You know, the Jesse Smollett stuff is a very good temp gauge for the Epstein stuff. Because without that story, I think more people do lean towards Epstein hanging himself. But we had just come off Jesse Smollett and seeing a fabricated sort of... It was conditioned almost. uh, Mental conditioning to... Look at a story more deeply than the surface good, level, good. right off because, the Because I mean, yeah. when I when I heard about what that ended up being, Jesse mm-hmm. Smollett's story, I mean, a part of me was really indignant and pissed, like, what the fuck's wrong with him? But another part of me was so glad that the truth came out because, yes, like yes. you said, it did teach and remind people not to have those knee jerk reactions yeah. to believe things automatically. Get on Twitter, be self righteous, and and then throw your fit. I don't give a shit what. The story is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes back to one of my pillar of beliefs that I've always, I'm always going to have. That's sort of attached to religion. Question everything. Worship nothing. Sort of attached. That yeah. yeah. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty hardcore attached. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's 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 one of my biggest beliefs. Is um, question everything. Worship nothing. Mm-hmm. That's how you have to live. And so when people found out that the Jesse Smollett story was bullshit, or at least his narrative was. Yeah. I'm glad that most people. Who, I hope the people who were such proponents of his story and had that knee-jerk reaction. To I hope they felt some type of way about I hope it. They and I hope they had a couple of nights with their ego reconciling. Like, oh, oh man, I can't do this every uh, time anymore. Well, hopefully they were thinking that and not just buying in and jumping in and doubling down on everything, saying, no, 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 it's no, I think they still... were forced to, to buckle down and yeah, self-reflect. That's a pretty embarrassing story. I think that's when the diagnosis gets a little fractional because I do agree with Morgan. Uh, if half of the crowd was on yes, uh, Jesse Smollett, I always, I can't pronounce it. Smollett. Smollett. Yeah, okay. If, if half of the crowd was on his side and his story went down exactly how he said then the truth comes out. Then I want to say that half of that crowd went to the double, double down. down, and the other half said, oh, uh, I am a real hopefully. jackass about this. Hopefully. But how you erode at that number is you almost keep cranking out those types of situations for people to go through. You keep throwing the Epstein stories and the, the, 
the interpretive big time stories that everybody wants to be a part of and have their two cents on keeps spitting them out there so that the folks can catch up to a more reasonable, um, just logic-based, deductive reasoning well, you know, approach to life. What I hope also happened is people look at this and go, okay, he tried to influence people. With almost no purpose. Like, how in the world did this benefit him? Conspiracy theory time. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. like, like you're here you've got somebody with, with no benefit from going through this, and you're wondering, why would you do this? You're successful already. You don't need the extra attention. Where's the motivation? Where's the stuff coming from? Mm-hmm. So hopefully people start to pick some of that stuff apart. What is your... And well, I'm pretty sure Jesse hasn't even... He's still telling you this really happened the way he says it happened, right? I don't think he's changed his story and come out and said... I don't know how you backtrack on well, this. I don't where, either, but I'm pretty sure there may be even lawsuits still going on. No, there is. In Chicago is. and stuff. So he can't back down, which hopefully people see, hey, when you're caught red-handed, how about you just say, yep, yeah, sorry, I fucked did up. it. You know, sorry, I was in a bad place. Instead of doubling down and telling everybody, what you're seeing is not real. All right. Now I'm going to get real Alex Jonesy with folks here. I like how you preface it that way, Sasha. All right. So uh, this is why I save my tweets because when I'm about to say something like this, I have the journalistic evidence that I said it when I said (laughs) it. As soon as this Jesse Smollett news story broke, I called it out as being a farce and being a very timely and very strategic, manipulative capitalization on the temperature of racial tension that was going on in this country at that time. Uh, I don't remember what else specifically was going on, but there were several other news stories. This, to me, and there's a lot of of factors involved, Uh, Mr. Smollett was a star on Empire, which is uh, run by Fox, which has uh, right-wing political affiliations, of course, as we know. Now, also, uh, Kamala Harris was involved in this. I do believe that behind closed doors, left, right, whatever it is, the system of politics in general has a, a unity amongst them to, to maintain their overbearingness and their, their power structure that they have erected for themselves since arguably the 18th century. And they just thrive there and they're very happy with controlling the United States of America Every four years and making it seem as if they're having War of the Roses while doing it because it's good for ratings and it's good for getting the people invigorated and and sparked in this discussion. It, there's something about I, – I tap into it infrequently, but I do it more so when I'm introducing people to board games. When I've played a board game and I bring it over to a, a house that has never played the game, I – I get a real pleasure in seeing people enjoy the game the same way that I enjoy it. So if I apply that logic to the political realm, which uh, when I'm playing a board game, I'm not trying to get anything out of the out of the people other than them enjoying the experience. There's no but then I throw in the wrench saying, "What if I want Miguel to go buy this game afterwards so that he does the same thing with the board game, and he brings it to his group of friends, and and his enjoyment and his invigoration for it is just as strong. The, we talked about this earlier in the episode. This is how you spread an idea. This is how you spread control, arguably, and influence, is that you get someone to care about something as much as you care about it. 
And I'm not saying there's no no room for politics in the 21st century and that it's antiquated or anything like that. There's definitely a, a need for that structure. I just I just feel as if back to the Smollett story, it was all very well orchestrated amongst left wing, right wing, and Hollywood for that matter, to stick their foot in the where are we as far as racial tension is concerned and what can we throw out there that acts as like a science experiment to t give us feedback as to how many people will believe him how many people won't and out of the people that do believe him how many people are willing to take it further and prove that he was uh, that he was fabricating it all You're basically right. using him as a patsy a litmus test for what they can get away with in the future for bigger stories uh, things that that they may need to slide. This is where I am going conspiracy a yeah, little yeah, bit. It's way out there, bro. It's way out <laughs> there. But at the same time, the the parties that are involved, because Kamala Harris was very involved in this Yossi Smollett story. And yeah. so was Fox. And so was MSNBC, MSNBC CNN. CNN. Yeah. It's one big club. Unfortunately, I believe I, I'm, I'm halfway with you. I okay. believe that the oligarchy is one big club and that they have their hands uh, in certain politicians' back pockets. Okay. And they give it a good squeeze whenever it's convenient to them. The, but the Jesse Smollett thing, the idea of the oligarchy basically using him as, a, or his, the situation that happened as sort of a social experiment. I don't know, because I think that both the left and the right were trying to exploit it in their own different ways. I mean, you had Fox News reporting to it. Trying to spin it when they thought it was some real shit. Sure. You had the uh, MSNBC basically exploiting it as, look, there's even this well-known actor. Those sound is like a variants in a in a science experiment. Yeah. Those, yeah. those all sound that's... like minor control group tweaks. Two parties that hate each other and yeah. have always hated each other. But I, I just don't, I don't know buy that always. Anymore. I don't know that always, but um, right now it's just it's so far right and so far left, and there's nothing in the middle. It's really disappointing. That's what's scary is what it is. It's yes. not like it was. Everyone else, and uh, it was left and right were pretty far apart. And then 9/11 happened, which was a horrible event. Wish it wouldn't have happened, but one of the good things that did happen after 9/11 yeah, was that some... people, everyone became sort of uh, center placed. You know, there wasn't. I didn't. I didn't hate George W. Bush right after 9/11. Yeah. My sentiments were certainly different towards him and, and Dick Cheney years later. But right after 9-11, I'm a kid watching that. I didn't hate George W. I see him as the guy next to the Twin Towers, you know, giving people a good pep talk. I didn't hate Dick Cheney back then. Um, Rudy we, Giuliani Rudy as well. Rudy Giuliani as well. Um, so, but yeah, we've, we're very, very different right now. It's just like Morgan said, the left and the right right now are both so polarized. So polarized. And they're so far apart that like, even somebody on the hard left like myself is watching and going, God damn. Like, this is scary. And when you have, I don't know if you guys ever watch these videos, but you have people, um, I can find any videos talking about, if they try to impeach Trump, there's going to be civil war. We're going to pick up our arms. And he's saying that with a big old cross hanging off his chest. Mm -hmm. yeah. Who was that said when fascism comes to America, it's going to be carrying a cross and holding a Bible? Mm. I mean, the people who are talking about civil war left and right are these people wearing crucifixes. Are the people who have not, been conditioned to sort of run with that mentality in, in every every facet of existence? It's, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely terrifying right now. Um, and see, that's, this is one extreme. Well, and, and right now, a leader can't go down the middle. 
Because if they do, they're going to lose faith in their own party. In their own sides yeah, right now. And, yeah, and so I mean, you can't try to, like, you know, Reagan's a good example. A lot of people may not have liked this presidency, but you had Reagacrats, or Reagacrack, maybe I'm not pronouncing it right. You had Democrats that were kind of on the middle yeah. that, that were liked Reagan. And there's a lot of stuff that got done during that time. Uh, it's same sort of thing happened in the Clinton administration. Uh, I don't remember it being so polar opposite, and I sure feel like the country kind of moved forward. Uh, despite, you know, the, his impeachment the, and the, the Newt Gingrich and his I mean, band of trolls trying to get him over a blowjob, there were some polarizing uh, things amazing about, stuff. about Clinton. But at the same time, you are right. I mean, Clinton was able to work with the Republican Congress yeah. to get some good shit done. Yeah. It's not happening right now because right now, uh, <laughs> if you if you if you are Mitt Romney, it's I'm I'm proud of Mitt Romney for actually being able to walk through his front door with balls that big mm. because you. It's hard for someone to criticize Donald Trump right now. I mean, like like Newt Gingrich right now, he said, I did a boo-boo because I said something bad about Donald Trump. You can't. Mitt Romney is in the minority right now. I mean, you have these paleo-conservatives who are willing to say something bad about Trump, but they're few and far in between. George Will, a paleo-conservative, very well-known guy, respected guy yeah. on the left, he'll criticize Trump. But when he does that, Trump's who owns the right right now, he is lambasted on Twitter. He gets death threats. Yeah, he's a... Yeah, it's... I mean, holy shit. We, we don't have a good... Well, some of us have a good gauge of, of where we're at right now. But look at, looking in hindsight uh, back at this in 20 years, we're going to be shocked at, at how bad... Or how bad we let this get, maybe. Then you're implying 20 years from now we're going to be in a much better place than where yes, we are now. because I, I so? believe in that uh, that polarity. It's yeah. going to swing back. I, to I do believe in that. Probably. Yeah. Because I, Although I, I don't remember it ever getting this extreme on both sides. But is it, isn't no. that extreme outside? That what's bad? what's what's the outside? Because if I take you to a protest here in downtown Dallas, have you seen? Have you been to one? No. It, it's, it's it's vicious. But that's. That's one's right, and and here, but inside, it's the gray area. It's the middle ground. It's very. It's you mean people calm, talking about cool, It's collected, yes. Yeah. And right. then you have the other end of the spectrum. Nobody gives a shit. Like WWCD, what would Canada do? Lucky no best. one cares. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'm gonna cut you off right there. Uh, I think we've reached our max time for this first episode with Miguel. But we're going to bring him back for the next one and maybe the next one after that. So we'll leave it on the bash Canada and blame Canada note. Until next time, guys, it's been Meandering with Morgan and Sasha and special guest Miguel. And we'll see you guys next week.